0: Welcome to the Pitchfork Review. I'm Ryan Domble, a features editor at The site. This week on the show, we'll be discussing perhaps the most exciting music superstar of the last six years or so, Bad Bunny. He recently released his Trap Heavy fifth studio album, Nadia Sabe Lo Que Va A Pasar Mañana, which immediately went to number one on the charts when it came out last month. And then at the end of the episode, we're going to zoom out a little bit and talk about some new artists who are changing the face of Puerto Rican rap and reggaeton in the wake of Bad Bunny's explosive success. Joining me today are a couple of scholars on all things Bad Bunny, contributing writer Julianne Escobedo Shepard. Hey, Julianne. What's up? And contributing editor, Isabella Herrera. Hello. Great to have you. So to start off, I just wanted to kind of chronicle the rise of Benito Antonio Martinez Ocasio, a.k.a. Bad Bunny. Julianne, do you remember when you first heard him? Like, when did you realize this person is going to be it, the guy?
1: I mean, I think the point that most people realized was in 2016 with Soy Peor. Mm -hmm. It was his really big trap hit that sort of blew up and blew him out of SoundCloud, basically.
2: I also think really early on, for me, Tú No Bebe Así with Arcángel, Mm. 2016, when he was still kind of like the features man... In yeah. Latin trap. Right. Everybody wanted a verse from Bad Bunny, because who is this man with the graphics on his scalp? And he wears short
1: shorts. <laughs> yeah. And he's like painting his nails.
2: One
1: of my favorite early ones also is Crippy Kush. Yeah. <laughs> with Faruko. <laughs> It's just about smoking weed, but he's just such a presence in the video. He's got, like, bright yellow hair, and he is wearing these, like, wacky space, 90s sunglasses, and there's just something so charismatic about him, and it's just sort of a glimpse at who he would become. Yeah. Then, of course, when he really, really blew up was probably 2018, when he was on I Like It, the Cardi B track. That was when he came out of the trap enclaves and then blew into the national consciousness, not just people who listen to music in Spanish. Right. A.K.A. Anglos.
0: (laughs) (laughs) What are some of your favorite, like, early Bad Bunny hits?
1: So my personal fave early Bad Bunny hit is Estamos Bien. It came out as a single right before Por Siempre in 2018, and it's this sort of like beautiful song about becoming a star in the aftermath of Hurricane Maria.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a Yeah, so let be
1: there's something really angelic about it, partly because the synths are very, like, angels in the clouds sounding. But it also started to show his versatility because he was singing really emotionally in this way that was completely opposite of this trap and reggaeton persona that he was building. And also, kind of the end got into a little bit of house beats, and it, it sort of presaged where he would go, which is like a zillion genres. It's kind of like his
0: juicy, like the biggie song, or that's kind of the <laughs> yeah. similar vibe that I get. Super Nintendo Sega Genesis, when I was broke, man, I couldn't picture this. Just as far as like he never dreamed that he would be living this life and now he is and it's amazing. It's just like someone who's in that blush of fame, like superstardom, and just kind of it washing over them.
2: Yeah, I feel like what made it so good, you know, in addition to this, like, reflection on fame, is that it was kind of this first glimmer of him as a social critic or as, like, a spokesperson for Puerto Rican issues. Mm. As Julianne said, it was in the wake of Hurricane Maria, and in one of the verses, he's like, pa casa no la luz, which is, like, a reference to the fact that there was no power for a very long time after Hurricane Maria hit. <laughs> It really highlighted how he's able to capture the spirit of, like, Puerto Rican life without being preachy in any sort of context and still, like, making pop music that you can fuck with. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So, yeah, I feel like Ithamovian was such an important moment. It's also worth
1: mentioning that he was using his money to send generators to Mm. his neighborhood. You know, that was the beginning of his, like, activism coinciding with his pop persona. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, you know, he's rapping about weed. He's rapping about some political stuff. He's rapping about sex a lot as well. (laughs) Um, He's versatile that way. And at the same time, like musically, he's doing trap. He's doing reggaeton. He's doing some pop punk. What are some other genres that he's conquered in the last few years?
1: He's done dembow. he's done corridos. he's done Jersey Club, <laughs> <laughs> and also he's done Norteño. He's really established himself not only as someone who can experiment, but not everyone who experiments does it well, right. and he's able to just slot himself in in any genre that he's tried
2: and sound completely natural like he's been doing it his whole life. I remember, well, he released two albums in 2020, first of all. The second one that he released, El Último Tour del Mundo, he goes into pop punk on that album. He has a song called Yo Visto Asi in the video. He has all these celebrities in it, yet it's still like a very Blink-182 type vibe. I was just like, what? This man can do all this. (laughs) I don't know. It was just, it speaks to, yes, how versatile he is, how much longevity he has as a pop star, too, Mm. that he's able to constantly, you know, reinvent himself and do all these different styles in a way that feels really genuine still.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It never feels to me like he's capitulating, you know, or like Mm. trying to do like, this is for this type of person or this type of music fan. It just seems like he owns it. And it's astounding. He's grabbed all these different audiences effortlessly. Mm. And it kind of brings us to his last album, Un Verano Sinti, which, you know, is another kind of smorgasbord. Concentrating more on like Caribbean styles like reggaeton, bomba, dembo, and also some psychedelic like indie music. <laughs> yeah. <for Yep>. <laughs> yep. um, and, you know, this album felt like a culmination in a lot of ways. It was incredibly popular Julianne, do you have, like, a favorite from that record?
1: I mean, we can't overlook Titi Me Pregunto. It was a huge fucking hit. Dirty. <laughs> the, the summation of what everyone loves Bad Bunny for. Hey, titi Me
2: Pregunto Si Tengo Muchas Novias Muchas Novias Hoy tengo
1: I live in a neighborhood in Brooklyn that is historically Puerto Rican and Dominican. And like for me, whatever I hear on the street coming out of cars is like the pulse. Like that's what's hot. And I mean, I didn't hear anything but this album for the entire summer, fall, winter last year.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. That album also happened to be the number five album of 2022 on Pitchfork's list as well. One of those rare albums that is everywhere, and also like in the top five of, of a pitchfork list. So yeah, now that we've kind of gone through the history a bit, we're going to take a quick break, and we will be back to talk about the new album and how it slots in to that history thus far. You come to the New Yorker Radio hour for conversations
2: that go deeper. With people you really want to hear from, whether it's Bruce Springsteen or Questlove or Olivia Rodrigo, Liz Cheney, or the godfather of artificial intelligence, Jeffrey Hinton, or some of my extraordinarily well informed colleagues at The New Yorker. So join us every week on The New Yorker Radio Hour, wherever you listen to podcasts.
0: And we're back. So that brings us to 2023. Isabella, you reviewed this new Bad Bunny album for Pitchfork. Excellent review. And we gave this new album a 7.4, which is a whole point less than the last one, which also got Best New Music. You know, 7.4, very respectable, but it's a little bit lower. So
2: I'm just curious, like, what is your overall take? It speaks volumes. Okay, so that this okay. is the This is the score that we gave the most recent one. Yeah, so this is him returning to his trap roots. He starts off the album with this very long intro, kind of talking about his career up until this point, and explaining that this album is for, like, the real fans, the ones that have been following him for seven years, who Mm -hmm. know that he started out as a trap artist, that know he's a rapper and not just this pop reggaeton star. I think a lot of the discourse around the album when it came out was like, oh, you're not a real fan if you don't Mm -hmm. like this album. Uh You know, you're not a head. Like, you haven't been following Bad Bunny for this long. And I respect that, but the album is an hour and 21 minutes long. It's a lot of minutes. Yeah, it's a (laughs) lot of minutes. And I personally feel that it can get very repetitive, mm. just returning to the trap sound over and over and over. It's a very streaming era album. You know, Drake and Kanye have done this in the past. Mm-hmm. We know that albums come out with like 25 songs and yeah. the whole point is to maximize streaming. We, get, we know that. So right. this is a very similar situation. But yeah, I think that it's a little disappointing thematically in part because, you know, he's returning to the same topics. Like, we talked about how much he loves to talk about sex. Uh, He loves to flex, you know, all of these things. And that's very fun, but I think that he doesn't do it with the same sort of excitement and uh, talent and uh, skill that he has done in the past. And that's part of the reason this album is a little disappointing for me.
0: Yeah, and to be fair, like, Inverano Sentiu is also really long, but this one, since it is a little bit more repetitive, I think it makes that length feel Feel longer, right? yeah, absolutely.
1: <laughs> I mean, I agree. I think some of the beats are really good, but I do find it curious that he's gone in this direction after, mm. you know, his adventurousness and the fear. I think is that he might be spreading himself a little too thin in in his endeavors outside of. Music. Mm-hmm. He is now a professional wrestler, which <laughs> uh-huh. you know, which feels like such a win. Like he loves wrestling, and it was like the greatest thing that ever happened. Backlash in mi casa, Puerto Rico.
2: Damien Priest, Bad Bunny in a street fight, cabron. A veces si verdad que tu eres hombre. And he's, like, actually
1: good at it. He is so good at it. Right. I mean, he's really been working out, and he's, like, body slamming. Sorry, I don't know any of the slang for what they do in wrestling. <laughs> body slamming sounds, right? It, I'm sure there's some sort of, like, Close line. triple dog sure. slam uh-huh. boy or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> they have no disrespect to any wrestling fans. I'm just not up on that. He was like, in WrestleMania, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Um, he's also he's also been acting, and then also his extracurricular activities have been greatly chronicled by <coughs> the Kendall media. Shiner. Kendall Jenner, and culminating most recently in like a joint Gucci advert with the two of them. That is like supposed to represent. The joy of traveling with your loved one, or some shit, and I'm like, Uh like, (laughs) what's happening to him? Is really the what I'm getting at is the fear among a lot of his fans is like, what's going on?
0: Well, I'm curious, not to get too into the the gossipy stuff, but throughout much of his rise, he had like the same girlfriend who was not famous. I don't know; it seemed like the fan base liked her. Yeah, and then yeah, like the past year, maybe he's started to date. Maybe, probably Kendall Jenner, mm-hmm. and you know people have feelings about that family, <laughs> but like, but like, I don't know. Is it just obvious? Like she's like a cursed human being. <laughs> like what is? Is it
2: deeper than that? Like, why this is troubling? I feel like part of it is really tied to his visibility in, like, the American mainstream yes. now. Yes, mm. yes. And a lot of fans sort of feel like you are getting away from your roots. You're getting away from your love of Puerto Rico. I, I definitely saw some memes on one of the songs on Un Verano Sin Ti. He says, like, Le gusta la de Puerto Rico, which is, like, you love Puerto Rican pussy. And then... There's pictures of him with Kendall Jenner. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, yeah. seriously, I, I, I think that, yeah, there's a feeling from a lot of fans that this is sort of like what happens when you make it in the American mainstream is that yeah. you get away from your original identity, quote unquote, as an artist. And I also think that Bad Bunny has always kind of anticipated trends instead of responding to them. Right. Yes. And it feels strange for him to choose on this album to go back Mm. to go to a sound that he started off with. You know, I understand it as sort of like a victory lap, but mm-hmm. I do think that something that makes Bad Bunny so magnetic is that he's able to predict the trend instead yes. instead of respond to it, you know? And this doesn't feel like it's predicting any trend or, you know, innovating in that way that we know him to be able to do.
1: Yeah. And also, like, let's be real, the trend is kind of already washed a little bit. Like, not just for him. You know, he lives in L.A. now, apparently, and, like, Mm -hmm. his move into the U.S. mainstream is sort of causing a lot of deep-seated agita that maybe doesn't even have to do with Bad Bunny. Yeah. You know, he started out and it was like he was so beautifully of Puerto Rico, and now he's, like, ensconced in the most L.A. thing that you can think of, which— the most L.A. USA fame and capitalism thing you can think of, which is the Kardashian family.
0: Yeah, no, it's interesting because I read the Vanity Fair cover story on him recently, and he's talking about living in L.A. for much of 2023, but he was also really quick to add, like, but I don't, I'm not, like, a resident. Or, you know, like, he he's very aware of this idea that, you know, it does seem like people are kind of waiting for him to, like, sell out, quote-unquote. I feel like when people say, oh, you need to only represent this, Mm. his tendency to even do all these different genres, like be kind of open minded. Like, I think it connects to that idea of like, I don't want to just be the Puerto Rican superstar. It is an interesting kind of tension there, like between him as, you know, the ultimate Latin artist Versus him is like trying to conquer the entire world.
1: We're getting into like dissertation about <laughs> colonialism territory yeah. for real, though. Let's
2: get into Let's it. Let's get yeah. into it. <laughs> this is <laughs> my <trip>. shit. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> To be fair, I mean, he did play Coachella and provide a master class on the history of Puerto Rican music for, like, hundreds of thousands of
0: people. It was kind of <laughs> like the best TED Talk I've yeah. ever seen, basically.
2: Yeah, and one of the songs last year from Umberano the music video was, like, a 20-minute documentary about displacement and gentrification in yeah. Puerto Rico. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As a result of, like, you know, crypto bros moving into PR and yeah. raising rents and everything, so— He has definitely used his platform. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Can't forget that.
1: For sure. And that's the thing. He's kind of falling into this trap that happens when you are a huge pop star and you use your platform for speaking on political issues. People expect you to be one or the other Mm -hmm. or expect you to constantly like no one not a single one of us is political 100% of the time
2: right
1: Right. and so I don't think that we're necessarily saying that this album should have been like very politicized or anything Mm -hmm. but it does sort of bring up these questions of like what what do you care about right now and if it is just like flexing and like feeling amazing because you're the biggest pop star in the entire world Great, but, like, maybe spend some of that cash on, like, more interesting beats.
0: (laughs) And, you know, and he brings this into the album a little bit, and I think, Isabelle, you mentioned this in your review. Like, there's a line on the song uh, Los Peets where he says... In Spanish he says, I could be rapping about deep themes, but the checks come in and I get confused. And you know, that's real. And you know, I think you said this very similar, like rhymes that like Jay-Z is rapped in the past. And some of this album actually does remind me of Jay-Z. There's like a line about classy trap, or like this is trap yeah. for a museum. That's very much something that Jay-Z circa like Picasso baby. Yeah, 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 yeah. For sure, for sure. It ain't
2: hard to tell. I'm the new Jean Michel, surrounded by Wall my whole team ball. Twin Bugattis outside.
0: And I think the it's outside. just like once you get that rich, it's just hard to uh. not rap about like how pissed off you are. You know, we did a podcast on Drake uh, a little while ago, and he's certainly done that. Um But you don't want to see Bad Bunny fall into this trap. One other thing I wanted to mention is that he's also a little bit ahead of us as far as like people criticizing him in the podcast format. Because uh, (laughs) on the song Monaco, which is I think one of the better songs on the album, it was a single, he's talking about haters who are rappers. And he says something like, you're not rappers anymore, now you're podcasters.
2: And on the intro, he's like, he was like, oh, lots of podcasts, lots (laughs) of babosos, which is like dumbasses,
1: basically. So,
0: like, Bad Bunny hates podcasts <laughs> is a major theme on, on this record. And as, as, as a podcast, I can't help but feel, you know, a little personally, like, affronted. <laughs>
1: so this is your answer track. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Bad Bunny, you have 24 hours to respond. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh my God.
0: So, on that note, we're going to take another quick break and we'll be back to talk about some new Puerto Rican rappers who are Bad Bunny approved, but are taking the trap sound that he helped pioneer to exciting new places.
1: Ever wanted to go inside the Met Gala?
2: I'm Cho Minardi, and this week on The Run Through with Vogue, we take you inside the world's most exclusive and glamorous party. We'll talk about the best looks from the red carpet and everything that happened after. Listen to The Run Through with Vogue wherever you get your
0: podcasts. So we're back. (laughs) And as we were talking about, Bad Bunny might be slipping a little bit. We're at a little bit of a troublesome point. But at the same time, there's a a lot of new rappers from Puerto Rico who are coming up, who are doing exciting things, and a bunch of them happen to be Bad Bunny approved. He invited a bunch of them to some of his concerts in Puerto Rico. Yeah, in
2: 2022 for the Un Verano Sinti concerts.
0: Right. And Isabella, you also wrote... A really amazing piece earlier this year for Pitchfork called In Puerto Rico, Queer Femmes Are Dreaming Up Rap and Reggaeton's Future. One of those artists is young Miko, who's also on this new Bad Bunny album. On the third song, I think she's the first guest on the whole album.
1: It's baby Miko.
2: It's interesting. I said that Bad Bunny was like the features man of the moment in 2016, and I think young Miko is that right now. Uh, I really think it kind of speaks to this desire from a lot of fans to have something different in this genre, you know, to hear from different voices. And not just have dudes talking about bitches, mm. <laughs> and, uh-huh. which is fine. But like, you know, there's a lot more that people can say. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so the three artists that I focused on in this article were Young Miko, Tiano, and Raynau. And each of them kind of has a different sort of visibility within the space. I would say that Young Miko, again, is like definitely the most popular right now. Bianna Antiano is definitely coming up as well One of the biggest Bianna Antiano tracks is the Bizarrap music session that she did last year I think it's like volume 51 It was a moment malecón, si no lo que digo, mala mía. And then no, no. now came out with a song earlier this year called Trenta Tiene more like in the indie arena Each of them is like very vocal about their queerness in their work. None of them are sort of afraid to talk about sex. I think it's important to contextualize the rise of these rappers in this moment because in the last few years, Puerto Rico has been dealing with this femicide epidemic where many women whose ex-partners basically have murdered them out of rage or whatever, passion. And a lot of feminist collectives have been working really hard to change that and to bring visibility to that, as well as kind of bring a lot more of, like, sex and gender education into, like, Puerto Rican public schools. There's one collective in particular, Colectiva Feminista en Construcción, that has been key in that movement. And so for these women to be talking about these issues in that context feels very powerful for a lot of people, you know, yeah. and a lot of queer fans as well.
0: Yeah, and I wanted to delve in a little bit more. You know, like you are talking about Young Miko. A lot of her lyrics are kind of what a male rapper might say, <laughs> basically. You know, talking about having sex with women in very colorful ways, um, <laughs> which is great. But I wanted to kind of break down you know, the difference between an artist like that and then an artist like Viano, who is coming from a different place within the queer spectrum.
2: Definitely. So Young Miko is billed as one of the first openly lesbian rappers in Puerto Rican rap. And on a lot of her songs, you know, it's a lot of sex talk and a lot of flexing. So I think that definitely appeals to a lot of rap fans, regardless of what your identity is. You know, like that's just core to what rap is in many ways. And I think it's important also, she, she definitely like doesn't just talk about fucking women. There's a song that she has with Viano Antiano that came out in 2021 where she talks about like men who try to come at her mm-hmm. and she's like, sorry, like that's not, I don't play for that team. You uh-huh. know? <laughs> what is that one called? Vendetta. Uh-huh. And so she's definitely coming at it from that place. And I think Viano Antiano is more explicitly political in her work. She has a song with another Puerto Rican artist called Ile, called Mujer, that specifically addresses the femicide. She's a trans woman, and she talks openly about that. Her last album, La Sustancia X, which came out in December of last year, is sort of like this soundtrack to her transition. And... She talks a lot about that transition, her identity as a trans woman. She's so smart in interviews when she talks about the way that trans women are treated in Puerto Rico and even within the queer community, which is not monolithic, you know, how trans women are often most vulnerable to discrimination and violence. And she really uses her music as a way to talk about that. And at the same time, she is an excellent flexor. I feel like she's like such a a daughter of Nicki Minaj. (laughs) (laughs) in a way that's like really fun that people can identify with no matter what your identity is.
0: There's a great uh, line that is quoted early on in your story from a Viano song when she says, the translation is, if I want surgery, your dad will pay for it. Don't you know I also fuck your mother?
2: (laughs) Another great line from (laughs) The best line.
0: (laughs) uh, That really says it all. I mean...
2: (laughs) I want to talk about another more indie underground artist in this space, which is now She, again, is sort of on like more of the indie spectrum of this, you know, a lot of more like foggy R&B vibes, you know, a little bit of like alt perreo is what I like to call it. <laughs> uh-huh. I feel like a lot of her songs are really like love songs, you know. A lot of them towards women. A lot of them about like missed opportunities or like missed connections with women. And while like Viano Antiano and Young Miko are a lot about like flexing and like being hard, hers are definitely more of like slow mo dancing on the dance floor type vibe or like you know baby making jams, uh-huh. like okay. a little bit of that. <laughs> And I really appreciated that in the piece. I spoke to each of them and I was like, you know, were you afraid at all of being vocal about, you know, your queerness and your music? Is this, this is obviously an industry that is extremely homophobic, extremely machista. Were you afraid of that? And all of them were sort of like, you know, I just, I have to be who I am. Like, I can't Mm. just silence that. I can't censor that. And I think a lot of them were really smart about what they represent within the larger industry and within the larger, like, queer movement in Puerto Rico as well. So Mm.
1: It's just interesting that we're talking about these artists through Bad Bunny because you think back to when he first started. He was doing things that were, I guess, queer coded by. That was a huge conversation. It was a huge conversation that he was, like, painting his nails and dressing flamboyantly. And it brought up all these issues with homophobia. And he was very outspoken about these things and saying, like, why is this society so homophobic? And he spoke out for the trans woman killed Mm. in Puerto Rico. Alexa Luciano. Yes. And he brought a lot of conversations to the surface that maybe
2: are actually being led by queer artists more now. Yeah. Like, it is possible for bad money to normalize these aesthetics. And also for queer artists to be more visible within this industry. Like, my hope is that these things are connected and that both things kind of help normalize queer artists.
0: Well, I think that was very well put. Julianne Isabelia, thank you so much for joining me today. It was a great time.
1: I really appreciate it.
2: Thanks for having us. Thank
1: you. It was so fun. You guys are the best. Yeah.
2: (laughs) The Pitchfork
0: Review is a production of Condé Nast Entertainment. Mark Yoshizumi, Elia Einhorn, and Katie Lau at 3DB are our producers. Ryan Noble, that is me, is the showrunner. And Jessica Gramulia is our music supervisor. You can read Isabella's review of Bad Bunny's new album and her story about Puerto Rico's queer femme rap and reggaeton artists at Pitchfork.com. If you like this show, please subscribe. Uh, Recent episodes of the Pitchfork Review include an interview with Talking Heads, an episode highlighting some of our best new music picks, as well as a special guest appearance from Olivia Rodrigo. Thanks for listening.
2: Is it a sports movie or a sex movie? Find out on Critics at Large from The New Yorker. New episodes drop every Thursday, wherever you get your podcasts.